Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed our previous episodes. And if you've missed any of them, well, what are you waiting for? Just subscribe to the podcast, follow it wherever you get your podcasts from, and head to cgteam.com for more information. This episode's going to be an interesting one because I'll admit, when I first heard the term transactional competence, I had absolutely no idea what it meant. But after talking to our next guest, Josh D'Amigo, I really understand it and I hope you do as well because it's really important to the way that we carry ourselves in our everyday lives. Josh D'Amigo is the client manager for the Western Hemisphere for Influential You, the leading business education in transactional competence. He has been a small business owner, worked as a corporate leader, and helped small businesses for over 15 years. He is an accomplished speaker and teacher, podcast co-host, and has become a sought-after master of ceremonies throughout Ventura County, California. Josh, thanks so much for joining us here on the CG Business Advisor. Let's start with some background. What is transactional competence? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a funny word, right? When people think about transactional competence, they don't necessarily (laughs) wake up in the morning and yawn and think, I need some more of that in my world. Uh, Another way of uh, thinking about it would be professional influence. The idea that if we're human beings and we must exchange to survive, those who are able to exchange better or are competent in those exchanges tend to have an easier life and have an easier time getting what they want. Uh, Kirkland Tibbles, one of my co-founders, retired at the age of 42, studied this stuff and is getting his doctorate in philosophy now. And you can see transactional competence woven throughout time and throughout philosophy as transactions being a thing in which two humans co-constitutively and reciprocally exchange. Lots of big words, lots of fun, easiest way to remember it, professional influence. How's that, Scott? I like that much better. It's a, it rolls off the tongue there. Uh, <laughs> so, so who should be practicing this right now? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, we're all doing it. I mean, right now, you and I are exchanging a story. We're exchanging information. And whether or not you accept it or decline or you counter, you're playing with me. We're transacting. Um, when you think about the idea that Um, Well, really, there's three types of acting that we can do philosophically. Self-acting, which is I can do it myself. I'm going to do it all alone. And sometimes that's appropriate. There's interacting where I can give you a a standard operating procedure. And I just kind of dictate to you what you do. Kind of management is more of that that interacting. And then self, uh, sorry, transacting is really that exchange between two humans. That idea that I need you and you need me. So I think we should, and I'm biased, we should all practice transactional competence, but in reality, most people are not really paying attention to the conversations they get into or the exchanges they find themselves in each and every day. Don't just people naturally find themselves in these transactional circumstances, though, just in your, their everyday lives? Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes down to it, if someone wants to move a little more powerfully or have their way more often... Uh, the better they, they are in, uh, I'll call it a verb, peopling, they tend to get what they want more often by, I mean, really fundamentally getting valuable help easily. How do I get someone who could help me change my life 
to care enough about me to want to help me change, that's a version of transactional competence. So if we all want that, if we all want to live a better lives, the easiest, most simple way of doing that is to work with other people. And the people that work better with others tend to have an easier time. So what's the difference between transacting and transacting powerfully? Good. Uh, probably influence. The, the concept that if I'm going to have things go my way, if I can transact, that's great. But if I transact powerfully, it means that over and over, I'm constantly doing this. A sales guy who's really transacting powerfully is going to constantly hit his marks. He's going to constantly hit his aims. Those that just transact, well, they can just kind of show up. We actually speak to the idea that some people are like adults. Some people are ambitious adults. Some people are naive and some people are in despair. If we're in despair, we don't really have a pathway. We don't know where we're going and we're kind of looking for help if we can. And everybody can tell it. You can smell it on someone that's in despair. Scott, I don't know if you've ever had to sell anything, but a sales guy that's in despair, you can smell him from a mile away. You probably aren't going to buy something from him. <laughs> from there, naivete is what most people move in. They don't think about the transactions that they actually get into. They, they act like they know what they're doing or they act like they have it together, but people that have it together can see it on them. They know, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Finally, the adult and ambitious adult. An adult, it's like a train. An adult gets on a train, isn't really sure where they're going, and they react to everything on the train, the conductor, the whistle, the people. Uh, at the same time, an ambitious adult can take a nap because he built the train tracks and knows where he's going. The people that we want to work with are the people that want to design what they want to achieve or basically um, be satisfied with in different areas of their lives. And those people that transact competently tend to get there much quicker. And those that transact powerfully tend to leave an impression. And I'd probably just drop that with influence, but that is the longest way of saying influence. No, I like that. <laughs> um, so define a successful business transaction for me. Um, you know, I'd say it's one that works out the way you like. Uh, really, we build transactions for all sorts of purposes, but in reality, a business transaction, a successful one is probably gonna be getting what you want. If you want more money, great, you can transact for that. You can exchange for that. If you want more free time, great, you can do that. So really it's a matter of getting what you want. And the way we say it is that you're only a transaction away. <laughs> you're literally one conversation, one exchange away from probably getting what you want. And if it's not gonna be with that person you're currently transacting with, accept the decline and find somebody else. Uh, when I'm in sales, my boss loves to celebrate the sale that I get and then move on. He likes to say, all right, who's next? It is the first thing that he says out of his mouth because just getting satisfied off of that single transaction probably isn't going to be enough to actually satisfy the different areas of my life that I want. I need to be in multiple, in hopefully simple transactions over and over and over again. So that way I can continue to get my aims. I think you've summed up how people that transact powerfully can thrive. So how does a, a the practice of transactional competence or the influence benefit both an individual and a business? So good. Great. This is a good question. It's well, it depends on, on what business you're doing. It depends on a lot of factors, but I'll, I'll say this. If you have a transactional competent salesperson in your team, they're pretty much inviting and presenting. They're, they're constantly going out and finding people for you. And that's their skill set. They're really good at that. 
sometimes we make our salespeople do much more than that and they end up doing way more than they ought to the way that we break it up is that when you have a business transaction you know exactly what moves and phases you're going to you know exactly what small steps you're taking and each person on the team has their role and passes to the appropriate person at the appropriate time if you have a team like that that is all transacting and fluid you start to speed up those transactions and that's where we become wealthy. That's where things go our way more often. And when you can have that reoccurring over and over like transaction, that's how we begin to build the business. And if you're building the business, you're probably getting more of what you want. And then that brings up a whole nother problem of once you're successful, well, then you have to reinvent your transactions because now I've made too much money and I need to go see you guys so you guys can help me figure out what to do with it. That really is probably the best way of explaining how it helps a person in a business. It helps the person with their personal goals. And if the personal goals are aligned with the business goals, then I think you're going to see both of them uh, basically benefit from one person being able to transact powerfully. Are there different steps to this uh, transaction? Like how, what are the phases of going through this? Yeah, it's, it's really good because people, when they think of influence, they often consider the point of sale. And they really just think that influence is just that one, get, get someone to buy, just get them in, get them out. Um, and that's the so far away from how we teach it because when you look back at some of the American philosophers that have studied human exchange, like John Dewey, for example, you start to realize that it's small steps and it's very small steps and people will go a lot further with you if you take those small steps. And I'll, I'll give you the phases, it doesn't do it justice, but basically you start with some sort of an assessment. Hey, I've assessed that there's an issue that needs to be fixed. From there, you invent the solution. Hey, I've got a solution for that. We can do it this way, we can do it that way. There's a bunch of possibilities we can choose from. We're going to invent that solution. Then I'm going to invite someone to hear about it. Hey, well, you wanna hear more about this? It's really fun. We're then gonna align our intentions and have some sort of a presentation. Hey, here's what I'm intending to do. Are you intending to do the same thing? If so, let's keep moving. Then you've got a contract. And I mean, we teach business, so we believe you should have a contract. It's important. Handshakes are not going to save your butt in the end. So having a good contract that basically, you know, reifies what you're planning on doing and commits you to doing that thing allows you to move into the phase of fulfillment. In the fulfill step, I'm doing the labor work and action necessary to deliver on that contract. Then I measure my fulfillment. Did I actually do what I said I was going to do, or did I just kind of paint the door blue when you told me to paint it red? If so, I need to move back and refulfill and do it right. Then after I measure it, I can complete. That's when I can look at the facts and judgments. How did it go? I've got something I can actually measure, and based on those measurements, I can judge it. And then I need to reassess and reinvent because every time I get to the end there, I need to decide, do I want to do this again? Is this a customer I want to do? Is this a customer I want to work with? Is this all working out for me? Do I need to charge more? And what you find is that at each move and phase of what we call a transaction cycle, you start to add layers of influence at each point in your, in your process. And what ends up happening is you take people with you ethically in steps and then hopefully they get what they want and you get what you want. 
but there are a lot of actors out there that are not caring about what you want and they're just trying to get you in that car today. And Scott, that's why we say it's really important to know this because the people that know what's going on and know where they are in a transaction are much better at figuring out where they need to go and what needs to happen next for the next step to be fulfilled. I love it. I just want to go back and listen to everything you just said over again, because <laughs> no, I, I think it's so great because it really needs to hammer these points home uh, and, and the steps and the phases of it are just so true. And, and I think we've all lived it in, in all of our businesses and just in all of our lives going throughout just work throughout whatever career that that you're in. You've gone through mm. at least uh, some of those phases. Um, mm. How do different personality types come into play here? Really good. It's it's fascinating how people's worldviews uh, sort of adjust kind of their skill sets. What we like to do is layer on top of that transaction cycle a four quadrant personality. Now, Scott, if you're familiar with, I mean, DISC, um, there's 250 at least different companies that we've studied that have said, oh, you're a, a llama, you're a, a red balloon, you're the summer. And that's all well and good, but a lot of those four quadrant personalities only tell you about yourself. And people only want to find out about what is my skill set? Tell me about me. We're like, no, no, no. You need to know the other person. You need to understand how they are. How do they think? How do they view the world? In reality, we all see it just a little bit differently. And we study it the way that Hippocrates was teaching it, which is the root of a lot of these four quadrant personalities that come out. Hippocrates basically in 4000 BC was teaching that there are four types of people those people that think with ideas, if you will, that's the most important thing. Uh, those people that think with their work or their work oriented, that's their most important thing. Those people who are in theory, they construct narratives, that's really their jam. And those people that are more skeptical or fact based. If you can figure out what that person's worldview is, you can actually figure out where they're really good on the transaction cycle. I am a constructivist or what we call a performer. I'm great at inviting and presenting. I invite you to find out more about what I'm doing. I talk a lot. I have a friend everywhere. I'm always constantly building narratives. I don't actually want to come up with the idea. And Scott, you're not going to get me to pick up a shovel. I'm really lazy. I, I, if there wasn't <laughs> a possibility of talking for a living, I'd probably not be able to survive. But what I'm really good at is passing things on to what we call a producer who wants to know what Josh said in that meeting and then get it done. That worker bee, that engineer that's going to basically take the contract, move it into fulfillment. From there, I'm going to have that skeptic or that judge, that deconstructivist that's going to measure things because they'd rather judge your work than actually do any of their own sometimes. And then they're going to judge it, take it to completion. But they don't want to come up with new ideas. So then you have your idea-based person or your inventor, as we call it, that subjectivist that looks at what's not possible based on facts and then brings up new possibilities. They are terrible at inviting people because they love to know about their ego. And they're a lot of times CEOs that just, man, they're so smart. And Scott, a really smart CEO that is basically a subjectivist or what we call an inventor, will hire someone like me to do the speaking for them. So that way they can go and have their ideas being really what they focus on. And what mm -hmm. happens with all of those four is that once you can figure out a person's worldview um, via their pronouns, via the way that they talk about things, via the ego that they walk into, via a lot of different things, you can start to figure out where they're incredibly valuable and where they need to stay far away from the transaction. 
You don't want me anywhere near completion. You don't want me anywhere near measuring things. I, you, you just don't want me doing that because I, that's called creative accounting. And that's why we hire CG because you don't want Josh doing your accounting. My boss has said, if Josh doesn't have alcohol in his hand, he's not working. <laughs> Send him to the bar, get him to meet people. At the same time, my CFO needs to stay far away from people. We don't want him near people. We mm -hmm. want him focusing on numbers. That's not where he's happy. And what you end up doing in all of this is you layer on the personalities on top of the moves and phases of the transaction cycle. And you can immediately figure out how to communicate better with that person, make them feel engaged, talk their language, if you will. And it tends to make things a lot easier because you're actually talking about their concerns not your own, which is an old Zig Ziglar thing that I know we're all familiar with. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Tell me more about Influential You and all the services that you provide. Influential You is for ambitious business professionals that basically are either not seeing the results they want or want to speed up the results they're already getting. I don't want to act like we're elitists, but we're, we don't accept everybody. We kind of accept it. There's an the application process and we take in about 70% of the people that apply. But our program basically can run for four years. But what I invite everybody is to the um, basically the entry level uh, program that we teach, which is the fundamentals of transaction. In the first six months, our average client makes 45% more than they anticipated, hits 89% of their aims for health and 103% of their aims for finance. And that's like paying off debt, student loans, things like that in that first six months. And we're really accurate at it because we take the right client, if you will. Um, I guess to kind of put a bow on it, it's really for people that want to do more in less time. They wanna be incredibly effective and they don't have time for people that are goofing off and, and fooling around. So we basically take ambitious business professionals put them together in our gymnasium and then make them transact with each other because transacting is a contact sport. You could be educated on it, but we teach that knowing is doing. And unless you know how to do a thing, you probably, I mean, you can be educated on it, but you probably should keep your mouth shut because <laughs> you don't know how to do it. So we wait for those that have, um, uh, you know, valuable feedback or qualified feedback and then have them basically be subject matter experts on what they are and stay away from the things that they aren't, allowing for a really, really strong program that I can brag about those results that we get. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible resource. Uh, what about this new podcast? Uh, I know you're doing some podcast hosting. Tell it's, us about that. It's brand new, Scott. Like this is my baby. I've been waiting a year for this. And the company wants to, you know, measure things, make sure that they get it right. And, yep. and we just released our first brand new podcast yesterday. And I am the new co-host, but my CEO, who's been doing it for the last uh, 10 years, basically got me on there and interviewed me. So you get to kind of hear about my journey of, you know, going from working in a bowling alley uh, to teaching philosophy and business to outside of my weight class. Most of my, I'll be clear I'm, I'm 38 years old most of my clients are uh, 10 15 years older than i am and it's not every day that people want to listen to a millennial when it comes to philosophy or anything really <laughs> but what's really fun about uh, really my role and in, in the in the, the podcast is that we're building my identity we're building the career identity that really i've uh, the work that i've put in the last four years of studying all this it's sort of a doctorate in influence and so that's really uh, what we're doing is telling the stories of our clients and allowing them 
to talk about how the program worked for them because there's a before, <laughs> during, and after. And the before and the after usually look so much different in that first six months that you kind of don't recognize people. For me, uh, my results, I've lost 35 pounds, kept it off for the last four years. I paid off all of my debts except student loans. And um, I hit 180% of my health goals in the first six months. And all of that came from studying this stuff and doing this stuff and being able to tell that on our podcast and our stories, we feel is stronger than anything else we can do. Uh, because most of the time, people don't want to like, they don't seek us out. They don't wake up in the morning looking for this. Mm -hmm. But when you hear or see somebody that's just like you, achieving the things that you think you could do, but you've never really had an opportunity, or maybe you didn't know how to get there. That is really the value of what we do. So every week, it's Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time, we interview one of our clients on the podcast for 30 minutes, and then do a wrap up um, so that people can kind of see the stories of all of the hundreds of people that we've helped over the last 15 years. Uh, definitely have to go check that out. What's the name of the podcast? The Influential You podcast and the new episodes are on our website, but we will have them up on Stitcher and Spotify and YouTube and everything uh, within the next couple of days. Great. Uh, where can our listeners go to uh, get in touch with you? Best way is LinkedIn. Uh, I'm super active on LinkedIn. If you message me, I'll message you back. I'm pretty easy, but our website is influential-u.com. The other way you can go to influenceecology.com, either one of those works. And it's got tons of resources, stories, podcast, all of it's there, but I invite everybody, if this is interesting to you, or you even think that this is something that you might be interested in, add me on LinkedIn. Um, I've met a few of the CG employees and they seem to like me. They liked some of the statuses and really every single day I'm posting some new information on my blog about something we've learned over the last you know 15 years in ethical influence. And that's probably the best way is to just seek me out on LinkedIn. I'll add you back and I'll probably send you a message saying hi, because I need all the help I can get. Awesome. Josh, appreciate the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Scott, you are fantastic. I love your voice and I'm so glad you're hosting this. This is really valuable and I hope it does a lot for your clients. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CG Business Advisor brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. For more information, simply head to cgteam.com. For prior episodes and to make sure you don't miss any of our future ones, be sure to subscribe to the CG Business Advisor on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, this is the CG Business Advisor.